0: Hey now, my Vibers, I'm so happy that you are back and listening to our Vibes by Alicia podcast because today we are going to be talking a little bit more about confidence and how you boost confidence. I think there's a big misconception that a confident woman is born and I'm here to tell you that a confident woman is made. And why do I say that? It's because my confidence in the way that I feel, the way way that I approach life, the way that I come forward in everything that I do is something that I have honed for years. I can tell you that, you know, this year I will be 45. In one month, I will be 45 July 29th. It's my birthday. And I am just now really feeling super confident about myself, super sensual, sexy, feeling you know like I've approached a point in my life where I don't give any Fs. I don't care really what people think, what people say. I think that at this point in my life, I've really... Um, embraced my imperfections, but at the same time, always making the effort to improve, always making the effort to be better. Um, you know, I think that one thing that this quarantine did for me was just bring perspective back to me and put me in a mindset where I just felt like it was time for me. It was time for me to feel good about me again. Um, I think as we become mothers, we tend to think that we're losing our our sex appeal. We're losing our sense of self, our confidence, our self-esteem. But I'm here to tell you that even years later that it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. It can be the most amazing experience ever. Um, so... Today we're going to be talking about confidence and some of the tips that I can give you about being confident. I can say to you that when I was 16, 17, I looked to women who were super confident and I looked at them and I was super envious of that confidence that they had because I didn't have it, you know, coming from a neighborhood where um, – Just thinking that you were better than or just thinking that you could be better than the neighborhood and what the expectations were at the neighborhood were just something that you didn't even consider. So I would go to different places. I was a dancer, so I would go to so many different locations and places where I would dance and I would boost my confidence by thinking, okay, I don't think anybody else would have the guts to do what I'm doing right now. And what does that mean? It just means that I would boost who I was and how I felt about myself by saying things to myself, by talking to myself and saying, hey, I'm having the guts to go and do this today, even when people would say, hell no, I would never do that today. And I think a part of it was my mom and my dad. I remember my mom always, you know, making sure that when I dressed up or when I was going out, I was feminine. I was sexy. I was pretty. She wouldn't let me go out the door if I wasn't put together. She wouldn't let me go out the door if I was not my best self. So I learned those things from her. And the other thing that I learned from my father was that he always said, you know, even though you're a girl, that does not mean that you cannot put your foot down and demand what you want and say what you want and, you know, be strong about it. So those are things that really built my confidence. I was very grateful that I was raised in a family that took that, you know, approach and that initiative to be, you know, very woman forward, very feminist, even for a very, I guess, conservative Catholic family. They were very feminist forward, very woman forward, very um, education forward. Um, You know, for them, it was like, Yeah, you know, maybe we were raised this way, but we were not going to raise you that way. And I appreciate that. And today, you know, I thank my parents for that because they gave me that foundation where I felt good about myself. And I never felt like my sexuality, my feminine side, my strength was never from being a woman. It was always from being strong, fierce, you know, um, fearless. Approaching life in a way where um, I made the decisions for myself and nobody else made those decisions for me. You know, years later, and I think Russ gonna task because Russ is my husband, and like, he's here today because I love having him a part of my <laughs> podcast. Hello, he's um, he's been a part of my life for the last twenty years, and I think he can be a good testament to my evolution as oh. a person from. What? We were 23. I was 23 when I met you.
1: You were 20. You
0: <laughs> 23? Were yeah, you're 23. 23.
1: Yeah, right. yeah,
0: right. mm. And I'll be 45 this year, hun. so it'll be at least 20 years.
1: Yeah. We usually go somewhere for your birthday. <laughs> that doesn't look like it's going to happen this year.
0: Don't remind me. I'm not happy about that.
1: The airwaves don't want us. The world doesn't want us. So, and
0: you know what? People always ask me, like, point? how are you dealing with it? How are you and Russ doing? You know, <laughs> because could, people know we travel right. like every month. Not to
1: sound bougie, but that's our problem these days. <laughs> it is kind of bougie, so whatever you want to think of that, i take it for however it is. I know. But we're, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of our, our stressful situation. I know that's pathetic it's, because a lot of people <laughs> out there have a lot worse problems than we do but well, that is our problem is like we can't go anywhere so
0: no but you know what ever since i met you ever since i turned 24 the one thing you said to me was what do you want for your birthday and all i ever wanted and all i've ever wanted for the last 20 years was just to go right. somewhere for right. my birthday <laughs> i don't think i ever asked for anything i don't think i ever said i want a pair of shoes or a piece of jewelry. And I think for the better part of twenty years we've always gone
1: somewhere for your birthday.
0: And it's always been like, I just want to go somewhere. I just want to go somewhere. And you said to me, What's the place you want to go to? We were little, we were young. The only place I had ever been to was Monterrey, Mexico, when my parents would take me every year. And I said New York. And you said, Okay, I think we can do New York. I think that's (laughs) the And
1: that's where we went. Our first trip was New York. That's where we took off to I didn't I didn't travel much with my parents either. My parents also came from a very old generation, they didn't spend a lot of money, a lot of penny pinching going on. And you know, that's that was a you know, it was understandable. And
0: yeah.
1: So they uh they didn't want uh mm-hmm. you know, they didn't want to uh I didn't I didn't really get out much. We did we did some traveling around the United States and and uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: stuff like that. So But anyways, back to these
0: uh No, but back to back back to to the conversation that we had and traveling and how um I think at that point in my life I was ready to say, yeah, you know what? I want to go to New York. I want to see New York. I've never been anywhere else but Mexico and New Mexico, and (laughs) that was it. (laughs) But I remember, you know, having that conversation with you and just feeling that, but You know, I want to tell you about being in college and being in high school, actually more in college back in 1994, 95, and seeing close friends of mine having the most confident lifestyle, the more... um, the way they dressed was very confident. The way they saw things was so confident. The way they approached boys was so confident. They went on on dates and they were confident about dates. I couldn't go out on a date. I had the high school boyfriend and I thought that was like it. That was going to be it for me. Um, that that was not going to be, was isn't going to be anything better or bigger for me. Um, so that sort of made me think like, wow, What else could I do for myself? But I think one epiphany came to me when I was at a dance competition and I noticed that the older dancers were so just so um, fearless in what they asked for and what they wanted and the things that they did for themselves and the way they dressed and the way they approached things. They had a look about them that was pulled together, was beautiful, was um confident, obviously. But not only that, it was so, um, I was so immersed in their life and who they were as people and what they were like as women at that time. And I remember being 19, 18, and thinking how can I become them? How can I become that? How can I do that? And there were a few notes that I took that night and I went home and I said, you know, from now on, I think that was maybe 29, 21. I'm sorry. twenty 21, 20 and thinking I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to see how they approach things and I'm going to see how they do things and I'm going to learn from them and I'm going to take notes And I think from that day forward, I decided that every day I was going to do little things to boost my confidence. If it was maybe a, you know, and I'll just say this because this is just the reality: a boyfriend had a problem with me dressing with a short skirt. Right. I remember. remember Yeah, I I told you about the story and how he would say, "Go back in and change because your skirt is too short." I'm over here feeling well, good about myself. <laughs> I, know, I love that about you because he would say, go back and change and change your skirt. Cause it's too short and right. you're going to, Oh, this is the thing. You're going to provoke the other men around you. You're going to get them thinking about you and, Honestly, I never even considered that. Right. I just feel happy and proud of myself because I was a dancer and I had great legs and I was like, oh, a short skirt just makes me feel good. Yeah, and
1: when you say something like that to a girlfriend or even to a wife, it's just it's just a sign of insecurity. You're not doing something right in the relationship, yeah, that is is making you you're trying to keep. You're trying to create a sense of control in the relationship because you have shortcomings from all other angles in the marriage. And I think in the do,
0: relationship, the yeah,
1: relationship. And if you're if you play everything, if you do things by the book, and you're respectful to your spouse or your your girlfriend or boyfriend, and <clears throat> you're flexible and, mm-hmm, and you're committed, mm-hmm. you won't have to you won't have to worry about that. I think yeah. the thing is that that type of jealousy, which is you know, I would say adolescent uh, jealousy is something that is because you're not doing something wrong. right. with whether you're too controlling, whether you don't come on, you don't say, you don't do what you say yeah. you're going to do. Yeah. There, there's a plethora of shortcomings that can come from somebody. I think that's.
0: But you know what? I think at that point in your life, when you're a college girl, a college student and you're learning and you're, you know, approaching your degree. And I remember being 21 and approaching my graduation and being, so controlled by this person and thinking, why am I even letting him control what I do and what I say and where I'm going? Um, I think it was like an epiphany for me. And I remember my dad just saying, I don't know why you allow him to do this to you when you are so much better and bigger and more amazing than he is.
1: And we we need a lot more fathers and a lot more husbands out there in this world. And it's, 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 you know, it's a social evolutionary process. You know, in the 19th century, women had their roles in society, yeah. and they had their roles in society. You know, women couldn't vote in this country till the 1920s. Yeah, and and then you know, it's just and they were still kind of they still kind of had a secondary class citizen role until recently, and in certain in certain subcultures and in certain parts of the country, they still maintain that subculture. Yeah, but of course. women are citizens. Women are humans. Women are contributors. To, they contribute greatly to society. Not necessarily, maybe. Well, now more so than ever, the last 20 years, women decided to go go into the workforce, which was great. Yeah. But, you know, they contribute in other ways as well. There are mothers, there are, you know, there are wives and, and it's, uh, you know, it, all that stuff needs to be valued properly. They're not simply because, you know, I, you know, you see women out there, they can do pretty much what men can do. For, for Absolutely. The, the
0: and I think that's important that men begin to begin to see about women in, in society and see what's happening now, right. you know, with this whole movement that's happening in this year. You know, a lot of people say,
1: I, I just, I don't mean to cut you off. I yeah. grew up, my, yeah. I was, my father's from, the. you know, from Syria, from the Middle East, and I've visited several countries in the Middle East. It's a very patriarchal yeah. part of the world, just like Mexico is. Uh,
0: in a lot of Latin American, Latin, countries. Latin American countries, yeah, in
1: general. it's very patriarchal, and it's unnecessary because it's you are you are short you are shortchanging a valuable component yes. to society. Is men are more, you know, they t- there's testosterone driven, but that also has side effects, and women are a good balance to that testosterone there hasn't been a woman that has gone to war as a president or leader of a country there. I can't recall a woman driving an economy into the ground. Mm -hmm. There has been corrupt, you know, uh, female leaders of the world, but it's not been to the same drastic consequences as there has been with men. Yeah. You know, it's, You know, it's just it just
0: makes you uh, think, you know, I think about Jacinda Ahern, who is the New Zealand prime minister. And I think of the way that she's approached this whole quarantine, this whole COVID-19, the whole her whole uh, leadership style is so womanly and so woman driven and so. Amazing to see right. her progression imagine if we had something like that in this country. Right. I think it would be a huge game-changer sure. I think but back to how men Can encourage women and right. their confidence and the boosting their confidence? Right. I think that you and I have had this conversation a few times. I think right. we've talked about You know, moments where I'm like, oh, honey, I'm just not ready for that photo. I know you've been pushing me for, I think, at least a few months. Like, You need to get a bikini photo shoot. You look so good. You're just so perfect. You're just so beautiful. You're, you know, you're everything. And every time I always sit back with like, I'm not ready yet. You know, my body's not ready yet. I still need to lose a few pounds. And I think you know you always come back with like you don't need to do anything. You're right. perfect. You're fine. Right. You're the you know you're everything right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and women. To, I mean, it's women are biologically slightly different from men. You know, they are more slightly more emotional. They need slightly more. There's, I mean, men men. You know, they need to be they need to be tapered a little bit. They need to be. you know, calm down, I guess, you know, a little, and I think women do a good job and I think men do a good job. The men should do a good job of putting women out there because there's a whole history of three, 400 years in this country or at the, you know, the world at large is where women are treated as second class citizens. And I don't, I think we're past that at this point in society. And sure evolution doesn't happen overnight, just like it isn't. It took millions of years for anything to happen. But I'm not saying it takes millions of years to get to where we need to be going, but women are an important, critical component to society. And I think that they bring a lot of value to the table. And I think it just makes for a better society when, when they're treated equally, they're paid equally, they're... There's, there shouldn't be any double standards, right? Yeah. When men want to have sex with 20 different women, you know, then he's considered a player. He's considered, a, you know, the top dog. But Mag away.
0: daddy. Mag
1: daddy. There <laughs> you go. But when a woman has sex with 20 different guys or whatever, and then she's considered and she's a, a oh, slut or, slide or something like yeah. that. And that shouldn't be double standards. I mean, because when you take it down to a very scientific or biological level, mm-hmm. women have sexual needs just like men have sexual exactly. needs and desires. And there's, not, there's actually zero difference between the two. How how to get there may be a, a mm-hmm. difference, but how they're judged after the act mm-hmm. is where they there should be absolutely no there should be no uh, uh, judgment to, for that because yes. women men because here's the hypocrisy from the men's standpoint is that men say I want a nice girl but then at the same time they're accepting of other men having sex with multiple girls you can't have both. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you want a girl to be loyal to you, but then it's okay for your Mm -hmm. friends to be or for you to have multiple sexual partners. It's just it's what which way is it? Is it one or the other? And I never like to put compartmental. I never like to put things in a black or white kind of basket. But in this particular case, I think it's you can't have both. You can't have someone you can't have you can you can you can't have a woman. You can't tell women out there that they only need to be nice when it suits you. Mm-hmm. Right, or they mm-hmm. need to be loyal and only suits you. Just, only
0: when it suits right. you. Only for you. Yeah, and I think that's something that that we struggle as women, and and especially as we get older. I think you know a lot of women either embrace their sensuality, their sexuality, their feminism, their traits as a woman, or they cut it off and just say i'm just not going to go there anymore and not feel that anymore but you know i'm very grateful that i come from a history of of women who embrace that and embrace their femininity their sexuality their sensuality you know i remember just you know always asking women who are stressed out and worried about life i'm like are you Getting, are you having sex are you having a good sex life are you you know embracing that part of your life and everybody's always looking like what does that have to do with anything I think it has everything to do with it with it because you know when you are are embracing that and like letting go and just feeling free about yourself it's just just a freedom that Sorry. you just don't get anywhere else but I think the the um I think the conundrum for me is I want you to approach that freedom. I want you to approach that sensuality, that sexuality, that feminist um, fire that you have in a really beautiful, authentic way. And not just do it because everybody is doing it. Um, I think it takes time for you to get to that point, And that's okay if it takes time to get to that point.
1: You should just do it incrementally.
0: Yeah, don't don't go
1: wholesale. Don't go from one extreme to the other. I think you just chip away
0: balls to the wall. Chip away, (laughs) chip
1: away, chip away. What
0: you want to do?
1: To take a a phrase out of my trainer's uh, playbook, he loves using that term "chip away," but I just I just use it all the time (laughs) now because I like. But it's true. But it's true because I like doing things incrementally mm-hmm. slowly but surely and then you kind of get to the goal and then you you have you've achieved the goal but you did it right getting there there was no shortcuts and then you you kind of feel the value and the appreciation that you that you achieve doing it. and I think that's the same thing that should be applied to this situation is I think if if you should you should do whatever makes you happy and and you shouldn't worry about what people are going to think about you in this world because we're past that with social media and what's available out there. People are posting whatever they want. They post about food. They post about what they're drinking. They post about
0: everything. Everything.
1: So mm-hmm. post about whatever you want. And, it- and,
0: and and I just want to give this, this piece of advice for women who are mothers <laughs> who are of a certain age and they feel like, well, I'm a mom first and foremost. You're a sexual, sensual being first and foremost. You're a woman first and foremost. Then you became a mother. Then you had children. Then you got married. Then you were a wife. But you are a woman. You were born a woman. You embrace that part of you. And I think a lot of them don't want to do that because they feel like if I approach my sensuality, my sexuality, or I post a sexy photo on my social media, then I am not that mother that i should be for my kids and honestly i think that the kids realize that you know what mom is a confident woman they she loves who she is she's having fun being who she is and i know that from personal experience because my boys will say that um you know Rusk will say sometimes hey you know maybe you shouldn't wear those shorts they're too short and my kids will be like dad, that's mom. Mom I, is super yeah, free. Right. Mom is it. She's my no, mom. No, no.
1: I've never said that to Alicia. I've actually the opposite <laughs> so she could wear that stuff. I always actually, what I do tell her is, is to stop wearing the color purple. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I yeah, told yeah, her to yeah. put some
1: more color all the time. No,
0: you want wearing. me to be more colorful, but more I think colorful. at times when but I, I,
1: I... But I think that there's, I'm sorry, but you're... Yeah. you're the, the message you might be signaling or you might be sending to people is that if you're too... Uh, Sexually open before your kids are ready to understand it.
0: That's the key. Thank you
1: That may lead to disaster too early Because as a 12 or 13 or 14 year old or 15 year old They may not quite understand the consequences of what you're doing. So unless you have a precocious child at home
0: Or or you have
1: a you've had great conversations and you you're sure your kid understands that You got to kind of have that balancing act a little bit in secrecy, right? maybe a little bit out there in openness, not because you were trying to hide that from who you are, but only because biologically your kids are not ready for that information. And then it doesn't matter what generation you're in, even though kids know more than we knew only because they are, have access to more information exactly, than they we do. did, yeah. but that sometimes can be dangerous and you can kind of get into something they're not ready for in this world.
0: Thank you. And I'm glad you mentioned that right. because that is very important is as we as women explore ourselves and how much we post online is are our, our kids at that point to right. also know that right. about you because right. i think one thing that russ and i have done in our relationship and as parents is always bring um authenticity with our right. boys and being super open about right. conversations with them right. about sex right. about life about
1: you know the pros and cons yes of of it. you know there's 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 natural yes. human tendencies that we're all going to gravitate to, and that's natural. But here's the negative side: if you do it too early, you have to have yes. a certain foundation, a certain.
0: There has to be right? a foundation. There has
1: to be foundation, and that's and I yeah. think, but I think what we're, the demographic are really talking to is the demographic that has slightly older kids. We're not we're not talking to demographic that has slightly
0: babies, yeah,
1: babies. Or, or the ones, not even necessarily babies, but that, that little that group in the middle, that 8 to 14 where curiosity is starting to become, you know, part of their daily lives. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they just can't make the connections yet. <laughs> and then yeah. as, as they get older, they can kind of make the connections without their, without it seeming like you're being a hypocrite. Well, you're doing it, mom and dad. I should be able yeah. to do it, right?
0: So that's something I want to touch upon because I want to just let women know that if you're not ready for that um, – that exposure as, as a woman for yourself, you don't have to do anything that's right. not comfortable right. and it's not authentic to you. For me, at 45, my kids are 17 and 12. One thing that we've done, and I'm very grateful for, for Rusk and I always having the same philosophies, we always raised our kids to be really open-minded right. about sexuality right. and their growth as little boys. And we always talked about you know, prepubescent um, challenges right, sure. and pubescent challenges as, as pu- right. adolescents right. as puberty hits. And right. so all those things were open conversations that we had with our kids. But that goes back to the way we were raised. We were raised in very open families. Our parents talked to us about all of those things. However, I am really just letting my ladies know that if you're not ready for that, you're not ready for that openness. You're not ready for that authenticity authenticity with you your husband and your kids don't approach it until you feel like you're really ready for it but can i say that it's such a beautiful freedom it's such a wonderful thing that i have my boys support um i can be myself and my boys will will appreciate that's mom and mom is just so free and she's so just joyful about who she is um, and
1: I think they appreciate that.
0: And they, they do, yeah. They, they,
1: they know, they, they have, unfortunately, we have some friends that have been going, that their 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 kids have been going through some parental issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think they get to see that how good they have it necessarily at home. So I think they're more accepting of the way we kind of are. Yeah. Because our parents were definitely not open. And it was all <laughs> behind closed doors. And you, you never even knew it until, unless you accidentally walked in on them, which I remember doing that once <laughs> but you know it's, it's it's uh it's definitely a little uh, more open now than it was back then back then it was kind of all but discreet
0: but back to that comment honey i think it's important that we also point out that our parents raised us to be very free with our bodies and free with our sexuality we were not raised with dogma we were not raised right. to think that it was a sin right. to have sex right we were not raised to think that we were less than because we gave our body to somebody sure. those Those dogmas were not instilled on us. So you and I came into a relationship knowing those things were okay. And we were free to learn each other's, I guess. Likeness, right? Sure. Differences. Oh, well, they—they
1: tra- they taught us to be open-minded.
0: Exactly. Right. But not- we were not raised in a very conservative household. That's—I right. mean—being traditional in terms of how we were raised, traditional right, right. is very different to being conservative in the way we were raised. Right. I think we were raised in homes that were very right. open-minded.
1: Right. There's certain traditions that, trend, yeah. that tr- uh, transcend transcend uh, integrity, yeah. dignity, respect. You know, that doesn't Absolutely. matter what generation you're in. There's there's yeah. those things, you know, transcend time, yeah. your time immoral. They're timeless. They're timeless. They're
0: timeless, values. timeless yeah.
1: values. But I think that they taught us to be free thinkers and to think for yourself, mm-hmm. not to necessarily go along with the social norm, because yeah. yeah. it doesn't always fit you because what's good for the individual is not good for society and vice versa. Exactly. So it's kind of, you know, and that's kind of how we kind of raise our kids exactly. as well. Exactly. But that's I think, how we I raise think our what boys. Alicia is trying to, what Alicia is mentioning is to, to, In terms of female empowerment, I think it comes – I think after the mother, predominantly if you are a mother, if you raise your kids and then you're kind of stuck in this rut, right? You're now in your 40s or in your 50s and you've kind of lost your way in this world because you've dedicated a good 20, 25 years to raising your boys – and they're kind of, or your kids, and they're kind of on their own in this world, yeah. is that now is the kind of time to rejuvenate yourself yes. and kind of reflect. And that's where the husband's role needs to come in. Yeah. Because not only from a biological, sexual standpoint. So it's, it's it's kind of, that's that's the kind of area where I think where this kind of topic was trying to, we we're trying to get, trying to go with.
0: Yeah, and I think if, if you can just embrace that about your life, embrace that about yourself and get your man to come along on the ride. I think you're headed for a most beautiful ride and journey that you've ever had. Join us for our next one. Give us some feedback. Love you guys.